This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. There's an epic fight underway over a little-known concept, food rights. Should the government decide what you can eat, or should consumers decide? We'll have this story. What we've seen is, in recent years, more and more people opting to obtain their food privately, and the government, backed by corporations, saying, well, no, you can't do that anymore. Then, parents can get stressed out and end up yelling to get their kids to listen. We'll talk to an expert who has tips on how to stay calm and end those daily battles. We are so used to taking the good behavior for granted and pointing out the not-so-good behavior. When we show what pleases us, kids do it more and more. Those two stories, and much more, are coming your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. The term food rights may not be familiar to you, but some see it as an epic battle over what Americans are allowed to eat and where they can buy their food. Joining us to talk about this is David Gumpert, a journalist and author of Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Food Rights. David, it seems like we're looking at several different groups involved in this battle. On the one side, we have government regulators and large food producers. And on the other side, there are certain small food producers and a growing number of impassioned consumers. And each side in the issue believes they have the right answer. Now, you take the side of the smaller food producers and the consumers saying there should be freedom to eat what we want, buy it from those we choose. Why do you believe that? We have a long tradition in this country, it actually is a worldwide tradition, of being able to obtain food privately, directly from farmers, from small food producers, small retailers who buy it directly from farmers. This goes back hundreds, actually thousands of years, this tradition. And it's been uh, kind of a mainstay of how people obtain their food until really the uh, end of World War II. I mean, that was how food was distributed in this country and in other places around the world. The advent of the supermarket kind of changed all that. Today, it seems kind of strange for people to want to obtain their food that way. But what's happened is what I call the public system, these box stores and the large supermarkets, have become increasingly regulated to restrict access to foods that the public health community and the medical community have decided could be dangerous. Things like raw juices, raw milk, meat that hasn't been subject to government inspection, those kinds of things. But what we've seen is, in recent years, more and more people opting to obtain their food privately, and the government backed by corporations saying, well, no, you can't do that anymore. In the case of, for example, raw milk, you know, with the advent of pasteurization, which of course goes back many, many years, but I would assume that these regulations were passed because there were perhaps disease outbreaks from tainted milk, and so, as you say, they were probably well-intentioned. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think they were well-intentioned, and there was good reason to introduce pasteurization. There were large-scale outbreaks in the mid and late 1800s and early 1900s from raw milk. It was a time, though, you have to remember, when all foods were being produced without a lot of knowledge about 
the importance of refrigeration or about the cleanliness of the people handling the food or what the animals were fed. But in the 100 plus years since then, we've learned a lot about how to treat food, especially raw food like raw milk. I mean, people still do get sick from raw milk, but on nothing like the scale they did then and nothing like the kinds of diseases. I mean, the diseases then were fatal. Today, it's in the category of foodborne illness, which rarely is fatal. Do these laws vary from state to state around the country, or is it pretty much a federal thing we're looking at? Basically, what you have is you have 50 states, and you have 50 different laws affecting raw milk, and other foods as well. I mean, each state has its own state department of public health and agriculture, and then you have local you know, county and city departments of health. And so you have varying regulations. The way it works out is roughly 20 states in the country outlaw the sale of raw milk. Another 20 allow it, but only from the farm. And then there are 10 states that allow retail sale. In terms of the people on the side of wanting access to these unprocessed or natural foods, what do they see as the benefit of it? The government sees it as protecting the citizens from pathogens. What do the others on the side of the smaller food producers see as benefits? First of all, they see problems with processed food, milk being a processed food when it's pasteurized and homogenized. They see the kinds of things we're seeing overall in terms of chronic conditions like diabetes and asthma. Almost 10% of all children today have asthma. We don't know the exact causes, but more people are becoming convinced that these chronic conditions result at least in part from overly processed food. Now, as far as the advantages of raw foods or unprocessed foods like raw milk or raw juices or grass-fed beef or chicken, those benefits are still being kind of understood. But there have been some large-scale studies in Europe, for example, that show that children who drink unpasteurized milk have noticeably lower incidence of both asthma and allergies. There are still questions about why does it happen? Is it because of the bacteria in the milk, the so-called good bacteria, or is it because of certain proteins that exist in raw milk and maybe are damaged by the pasteurization process? We don't know exactly, but there's a lot more work still to be done. We're talking on InfoTrack with David Gumpert, who is a journalist and author of Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Food Rights. David, how strongly are these food laws being enforced out there? Well, some of these food laws are being enforced quite strictly, and we've seen examples around the country of farmers actually having their farms raided, criminal charges being brought against farmers. It may start out as a violation of raw milk laws or regulations, but it really becomes larger than that because what the actual criminal charges are... They mostly have to do with violating retail laws, a failure to have a retailing permit or failure to have a food handler's license, those kinds of things. So that it's not just that they're being prosecuted for selling raw milk, but they're being prosecuted for selling food privately because these farmers are selling not just raw milk, but they're selling pastured eggs and they're selling fermented foods and raw honey and things like that. And they don't have the permits because they're selling the food privately directly to small groups of members. They don't actually want to sell to the public. They don't want a retail license because they don't want that obligation to have to sell to whomever comes through the door. Do the enforcement folks ever go after consumers in these situations? They don't like to, and they haven't very often, but there have been cases in Minnesota. Minnesota seems to be the toughest enforcement state in the country right now. 
David, if someone listening wants these types of foods and wants to be able to choose exactly what they want, what advice would you have for people listening? Well, it depends partly on the state you live in and the locale. Different states have different degrees of enforcement. But I would encourage them to try to search out sources of good food. There are some services out there that list farms that sell food privately. There's one called farmmatch.com, just the way it sounds. What are your thoughts on getting some of the laws changed or perhaps loosened up a little bit in this area? Well, there have been some real, I'd say, significant moves toward changing the laws. And there have been some positive changes that have occurred. A number of states have passed laws that allow smaller food producers to produce food without licenses, just out of their kitchens. There has been a big move in Maine that's kind of spread to other parts of the country for something called food sovereignty laws, local ordinances that small towns and medium-sized towns are considering that allow private sales of food within the town's borders without any regulation from state and federal regulators. These have come under some attack by the states, but we're seeing more and more community organizing, local towns and people with common interests getting together and pushing for change and pushing their politicians to become more aware of this issue and to vote for change. Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Food Rights is the book. David E. Gumpert is the author. And you can check out his blog at thecompletepatient.com. David, thank you so much for joining us today on InfoTrack. My pleasure. Thank you. Next, parents fed up with yelling at your kids? There's an easier way to get them to listen. That story coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this. 